think we are live. It's been a minute, man. It has been, man. And, and you know, we got a rhythm every time, but, you know, we, we get back in rhythm pretty quickly. So I think we're going to be okay. A little fresh start. Indeed, man. Look, 2022. Okay. New year, new opportunities, you know, to, to, to kind of get things right. Uh, the last couple of years have, have just been, I guess, tragic is, is uh, the kind of the first word that comes to mind. And uh, I think it's, it's time to turn the page. You know, it's time to turn tragedy into triumph. That's 2022. Oh, yeah. But uh, so, I mean, some people probably had pretty good years. I mean, I, by large, obviously, we're, we're going through a pan pandemic. So a lot of tragedy. Um, so it's about turning the page and, and starting new and creating some momentum for the new year. Other people that had better years, maybe it's about continuing that momentum, keeping that momentum staying in that rhythm. But I think it's fitting that we're, we're doing a podcast today um, about fresh starts, new beginnings. And it's going to be a lot of things we've touched on before. And you said we were in a good rhythm, me and you doing these podcasts and we haven't recorded one for about a month here. So now we have to start a new rhythm. We got to pick up where we left off and we're going to talk about just how to do that. And today we're going to highlight, this is our 69th episode, by the way. And today we're going to highlight some players high-profile athletes who needed sometimes a, a change in scenery, a change in environment, a change in team to uh, rejuvenate their careers. They needed that fresh start. They needed that new beginnings. So we're going to talk about uh, some, some high-profile NBA guys, some NFL guys, and, and, and touch on them, and then, and then talk about what it is about a change in scenery that can really help rejuvenate someone's career. And, and, and also maybe talk about how a change in scenery sometimes can be detrimental. Mm -hmm. to, to an individual's career. Huge, man. Huge topic. But it's, it's, a, it's a great topic for where we are as a society. Um, it's a new year. And uh, we're at the, the beginning of a new year. And, you know, when you think about newness, you, you think about things like refresh, revitalize, refurbish, renovate. Like you know, got to renovate, you want to renovate the house, you know, build a, a new office, right. Or build a, a new basement or, you know, repair the old leaky roof, right. You know, all these kinds of things. It, it takes what you have, the existing structure. Spring cleaning. Exactly. It's not as if it's, it's like you're literally starting from scratch all the time. Right. Because we typically have, you know, a foundation, you know, something good to start with. It's not like it was all bad. Right. But sometimes what we really need is just something new, right? Uh, some new addition, you know, maybe if you say cleaning up, right? Something that kind of got dirty or old or, you know, where there was just clutter and things that were unnecessary. But at the end of the day, it's all about finding something different, you know, finding something new to add to the experience or, you know, finding an entirely new experience to have uh, completely. But whatever the case is, it's about being comfortable, being comfortable with a fresh start. I mean, you know, something new, something different, doing things a different way in order to have better results. Mm -hmm. Or if, if, you, if you're happy and satisfied with your, with your results and how things are going, it's about maintaining that as things kind of turn over, as the new year turns over, obviously, People like these, these what we call temporal landmarks, obviously new year's resolutions, new year, new me. That's a huge thing. Um, 
let's cue the music though and let's jump into this this is episode 69 i think we we gave it a good intro so let's go ahead and get the music going and jump into this what do you think ring there on your ring finger i want to what's going on there it's on the the right hand it's on the right hand it's on the right hand yeah so this is a, a mood ring okay a mood ring no and um some people out there may know what a mood ring is um uh, i think most people are probably familiar with it from childhood you know as sort of almost like a a a, a toy or make-believe uh you know sort of uh conduit to what's happening inside of us, right? Our, our internal emotional state. Well, this ring, when you put it on, it changes color. And it changes different colors depending on how you're feeling. And the idea of it is to, to connect you, right, with your feelings, right? To connect you with an internal experience on one hand. But on the other hand, it's also about connecting yourself and your experience with that of others right because other people they're going to be expressing their own colors and their own emotions through their own mood rings so if we're all wearing a mood ring and we're all kind of expressing this together it's like hey now I, i'm i'm more in touch with how you feel right you don't have to say it and that can be uncomfortable but you know sometimes it's just about you know something meaningful to you that you can express without using words, you know, that connects us, you know, connects us. And um, it's meaningful to me as a psychiatrist and just as a person, as a human, because I understand how words are not always great ways of expressing how we feel, right? They can be taken the wrong way, taken out of context, used against us. Um, but symbolic expressions can mean a lot. And rings have a way of you know, doing that for us, you know, creating symbolic expressions of things that are important to us. Weddings, right? I got one on. Um, engagements. There you go. Graduations. Yeah. Class ring. You know, like that's a big deal. Championships. Championship, big victories, big wins. You know, that's what rings symbolize. And I, in my, you know, I have a company um, that I recently started called Mood Technology in honor of the mood ring because I want to, teach people through technology, you know, how to be in better touch with their emotions, right? And, and then how to, how to then also connect better with other people by being in more touch with their emotions and, and also, you know, learning about the experiences of others through their emotions and how these things can be expressed symbolically, right? It doesn't have to be in words and this wearable that we're creating uh, and the app that it's going to be paired with is going to, to I think, generate a really, really cool experience for people in, in getting more in touch with their mental health and uh, connecting with others in a community, in their community or whatever community they want to create around mental health and wellness. You know, it's a personal wellness app. Moodering. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that because that's one of the hardest things for individuals is to have that awareness, have that recognition of their internal emotional state, like know what kind of sadness or shame or embarrassment feels like. 
so you're creating a technology that's going to make it easier and simpler for people to be able to identify their emotions and then yeah. from there be able to connect with others based off that and community and that helps so much with communication i think a lot of times when communication breaks down is because people have a hard time reacting to their own emotional states people get defensive based off shame embarrassment or fear and they don't want to have a conversation because they're they're scared or they're nervous and they don't necessarily recognize that as an emotion that that they could easily work through and they just kind of want to avoid any topic of conversation that's going to create that that negative emotion so i, I love that and i look forward to hearing more about that in 2022 this year absolutely man excited I'm, I'm excited to 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 deliver very excited so we're going to talk more about it but before that happens we yeah. have a lot of stuff to talk about on this podcast today perfect so that's on the horizon for 2022 we kind of like to do this every as the year turns i think this is our our third new year's edition or yes. new year edition podcast and Today, similar themes we want to do, talking about last year, we did smarter goals, and we're going to talk more about that today. It's one of those things where we're during Thanksgiving, we're, all, we're always expressing gratitude, and during the new year, we're always setting goals for ourselves. What we talk about is trying to do these things on a day-to-day, -day, consistent basis. But we know that kind of these the new year is a, is a social timetable where people do this stuff, so we wanted to emphasize it today. As you probably know, like you've probably been getting ads for Peloton or gym memberships, 50% off or month free, even like Headspace and Calm apps are having discounts right now. Like they're like capitalistic machine is trying to take advantage of everyone trying to have a, a new a vision board, yeah, a new beginning here. And, and yeah. that's, I think, I mean, I, mean, I, 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 if you've listened to this podcast, we always encourage people to, to try to come up with goals and try to create their new beginnings throughout each day. But today we're going to focus on it because it is the new year. And we're going to, like we mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about some high profile athletes who have flourished in new settings and with new beginnings. Yeah. Cause the concept of it is a universal concept. I mean, you know, something we talk about, you know, as it relates to our lives, you know, our kind of like personal routines. So it's something that definitely comes up in the, in the sports world. Right. Um, it's, it's one of these things where we, on, on, on one hand, even as fans, I think, tend to get comfortable, maybe too comfortable with sameness. Um, you know, consistency can be very comforting. The problem with consistency, though, if it's always the same environment, I mean, we have to be consistent. You know, our practice, our preparation should be consistent. But I think when the environment's always the same, that can breed complacency, right? We need to be challenged in life. Challenges are character building um, and challenges can make us better. And, and certainly that becomes an issue when you're on the same team in, in the same city, right? Same coaching staff, same, you know, everything, right? It's just the same for years and years and years. And, and then you look at your performance, right? And, and it's sort of like the same. Now, this is, great if you're Michael Jordan in the mid 90s, you know, just winning the championship every year, but that's not most people's experience. You know, for most people, if you're not sort of evolving and getting better um, each year, then you're probably not going to get the results that you want. Because the competitors, the, com the competition, they're, they're getting better. Um, for sure, you know, the people are constantly trying to evolve. 
in professional sports and in life. So if you're not as an individual evolving and growing and adapting, you can get left behind. Um, and, and it's interesting though, what happens that we get so caught up in sameness and, and you know, that we kind of get so comfortable with that, that we miss opportunities that may be elsewhere, right? And so let's say we get traded. We're a professional athlete, we get traded. This happens all the time. Or we get cut, you know, things like that. And then now we have to accept a new environment, new team, new coach, whatever, new strategy. New challenge. Now we can go into that situation with a bad attitude. Like, man, that sucks. You know, I was a, an all-star or whatever, and you know, I was doing my thing. Um, not realizing that with this new team, you may go from just being an all-star to being a champion, you know, which is really, I think, the ultimate goal. Yeah, so. yeah, and the psychologists have actually studied this, and I'll throw the links on onto the podcast uh, and onto our website. But it's called the fresh start effect. Essentially, what they found is people are more likely to tackle their immediate goals following some sort of temporal landmark. Now, this is mostly studied with like New Year's Eve or New Year's birthdays. So have you, but it also translates to what Armin was talking about people getting traded and being in these new environments. So it's, it's shown to be po a positive strategy when people are attempting to bounce back from previous failures or swamps. So the thing is that people, I think for a lot, what they hypothesize is that with these kind of landmarks with changes in scenery, it kind of provides a person a, a point in time where they can leave the past, their past self in the past, along with all their mistakes. And it kind of frees you up. It makes you feel more confident now that you're, that weight's lifted off your shoulders. The fact that you were maybe a baseball player and you're batting like 220 with your previous team, you get traded to a new team. Specifically in baseball, the, the batting average starts over when you get traded, which is actually amazing for a MLB player who's struggling. And now like you feel so much lighter and free and motivated for the future. And they actually, there's been studies and I'll put this up with baseball players, specifically professional baseball players in MLB, where, um, like I said, these batting averages get reset when you're traded. So for individuals who were batting below the league average, there was actually a 3.8% increase in their batting average after the trade versus players who are batting above the league average. There was a 5% decrease after the trade, not huge changes, but that's evidence to suggest that this fresh start effect is real. And, Real. Yeah. and that's something that we're going to kind of touch on today. Like Armin mentioned, a change in scenery can, can be motivating to, to, and challenging. Like, obviously it's going to be difficult changing things up. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable, but what we've talked about all the time, these challenges and, and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, that's how you grow. So these, these, these trades, these changes in environment, if you get traded across the country, you have to leave Los Angeles to go to New Orleans or you have to go to Washington, D.C. That's going to be tough. But ultimately, through that, through the mud, through those challenges, you could you could do better, just like for individuals who we've been struggling through this pandemic for a couple of years. And, and the only thing that's changed is we're in 2022. That could just be enough for us to say, hey, let's leave 2021, 2020 in the past. Let's move forward. Let's take on 2022 and, and all the challenges that are going to come and let's approve upon that. And we're going to talk today about what are some things you can do to kind of emulate what these certain high profile athletes have done that we're going to talk about as well to take on these challenges and improve upon your situation.
Yeah, and it may seem a bit counterintuitive to some what we're saying because, you know, after all, if you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? There's that old expression, and and you may be saying to yourself, "Well, man, if I'm doing well, you know, at least by my standards, and and then I have to have a break in the momentum, you know, how could that ever be a good thing?" And then you know, of course, we present these this data, and the data suggests that. Folks that are performing above average, you know, tend to decline, and and it's all very compelling stuff. But then, you know, you have to think about it more in the bigger picture, and and that is number one. If you're being traded, you know, especially between like team sports, right? And uh, you were doing well, that probably means that your individual success was not the best thing for the team, right? So it still suggests that there is something not quite right, you know, and to me, it's still an opportunity to sort of like do some introspection to see if things need to be different for you, right, in terms of how you perform, because it still wasn't working for that team. And I think, you know, the other way you have to, you have to kind of see this is, it's really all a mindset. This data in no way, shape or form indicates or identifies what the mindset was of these players when they got traded. So if you got traded, if you were doing well, and then you started performing worse, well, that could just mean that you had the wrong mindset, you know, going into the trade. Because what you need to be thinking whenever you have a new opportunity, new environment, is always about how you can take your performance as an individual, no matter where you were before, and make it work for this new environment and make ultimately the most of this new environment. Because the trade is out of your control. This is a business. Well, and, it, and it's just like in life in general, right? That's how life works. There's gonna be so, you know, so many things that are out of our control, coincidental. Um, so what we have to do, and this is what resilience is all about, is not so much focus on, you know, the feeling or the emotion attached to what happened, right? Or why this happened, but instead shift the focus onto what you can do now to make the most of it, because that's all that really matters. And you said something really fascinating earlier, Tori, you said it's about letting go of your old self, right? And how that can kind of create a feeling of like the weight being lifted off your shoulders, this freedom, right? Well, that happens in any context. And that actually is something that happens every day we wake up. Every day we start over, we're letting go of the past in one way or another and what we were doing before. It's an opportunity to do so. Yeah. It's always a new opportunity. And, and in order to have a new opportunity to make the most of that opportunity, we have to let go of what we were doing before in order to have a fresh start. Because when you're in the fresh start mode, that's when you have the space to accept the new circumstances, mm -hmm. right? To accept the new opportunity in order to now see what it can do for us, yeah. right? In order to really yeah. be a part of the experience and, and like I said, make the most of it. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about specific strategies that go into having a successful restart. So the first thing is you wanna set up clear expectations, clear goals. We've talked about this 
check back at uh, episode 21 where we talk about smarter goals. I'm not going to go into it too much in detail, but smarter goals is essentially setting goals that are very specific to what you want to accomplish, measurable and objective, achievable, so yet challenging. So things you want, you can actually attain. They need to be relevant to your life and to what you want to do within your life, relevant to your personal values. And you want to be time limited. You want to say, I want to accomplish this within the first month. I want yeah, to give yourself a this. specific deadline. That's right. Exactly. Oh, and then the ER is evaluate, evaluate throughout the way. Don't just set the goals and don't, don't evaluate them after a month or so, and then readjust. Don't be afraid to like, okay, that's not after a month, then that's not going to be a realistic goal for me. I'm not gonna be able to lose 25 pounds by June. So let me readjust. So that's the smarter aspect. Readjust, revitalize, refresh, restart, mm -hmm. you know? So just keep it simple. Check in on these goals, these expectations once a week. If it's a, if you're an athlete and you're trying to improve upon a batting average or a field goal percentage, check those stats, mark them down, write them down. Like keep an eye on that, those things, because you're set, you're not just setting these goals to set them and forget them. You're setting them and you want to check in on them. And if you feel like it's not working for you, readjust. And then, but that's just a way to keep you accountable. And that's a way to kind of start to create that momentum. You have to lay out the path before you go down the path. Um, and other parts of this is mindfulness exercises, obviously gratitude exercises. We've talked about these ad nauseum. Those are going to help you align yourself and get, and get down this path. Those are the driving forces. So, and we talked about this earlier, Armin mentioned it. One of the biggest things along with setting these goals is managing momentum. So if you had a good 2021 or if you were playing well on your previous team you want to keep that positive momentum despite the change in the year despite the change in circumstances changing coach changing teammates so how do you do that how do you keep that positive momentum tate now we, we mentioned if you had a crappy year or a crappy start to the season leave that in the past but if you had a good season or you've had a good season up to this point take a look back and see what got you there what kind of things were you doing that led to your success and then continue those things, obviously reinforce those things, strengthen those things, lean in into those things. And then most importantly is be grateful, be grateful for the position you're in. If you're feeling good about 2021, soak that good feeling in, take note of that, do a gratitude journal, keep that grateful attitude, keep that sense of gratitude, because ultimately that's going to continuously provide you the passion to keep that momentum. Yeah, we've been talking recently uh, about what's the right pace for mental fitness. Like, you know, how do we engage mental fitness and, and really, you know, bring it into our lives, into our day to day? Like, you know, what's the, what's a system? And I like this idea of a four step count, you know, four step process that would be two by two, okay? Two phases by two phases. Mindfulness in two phases and gratitude in two phases. Mindfulness is an exercise in, on one hand, self-awareness, and on the other hand, appreciation, right? Appreciation for the moment, appreciation for the you know, people, 
that you influence, appreciation for the situation, the circumstances. That's what mindfulness is all about, two steps. It's, a, it's, it's awareness, self-awareness, and, and then it's also appreciation, you know, for what's happening. You know, some people say like situational awareness. Um, and then gratitude is also a kind of biphasic or two-step process. On one hand, it's acknowledgement, right? It's acknowledgement of what, what's happening. Like really in an acknowledgement is, is like an affirmation, right? And that's why we always talk about journaling with gratitude because when, you know, gratitude is a very much an active process, not something that you're just kind of imagining, right? But it's an active process, something you do. So journaling is an, is an action and it's something that really gets those thoughts out of your head, gets them down onto a more committed uh, and concrete place, right? A place you can reference back to, acknowledge. And then the other piece, of course, is acceptance. Yeah. And acceptance is something that we all have to get to in order to come full circle with any new process, right? We have to come to a point where we accept where we are and accept the situation and the circumstances that we have before us. Because without that, we can't fully move forward. We can't fully embrace the circumstances and make the most of them. Absolutely. I, I love that acceptance piece because let's take a player that gets traded, for example. And this is the thing about mindset, what you mentioned earlier. So you have to come to a point of, of accepting that you were traded. Now you could have the mindset of, oh, the team I played for didn't think I was good enough. They traded me. Why did they trade me? What did I do wrong? How, how, did, how come I didn't fit with that team? You could focus on that too much. You could have your mindset, your negative filter, where you're focusing on kind of the rejection. You feel unwanted by the other team. So the quick way to, to but you have to, you have to come to accept that because once you accept the fact that you're traded, cause that's reality, then you can move forward. So how do you accept that gratitude? And you mentioned it. And I think gratitude journaling is great. Another piece of gratitude that can work wonders. And then the gratitude piece comes in because you're, you're thankful. Well, this team traded for me. They wanted me, they saw me and they, they had to give away one of their guys to get me. So they wanted me. So focusing in on that, focusing on the team that wanted you, that traded for you, that's going to create some momentum for you to, to play for this team that actually wants you. So accepting that, having gratitude towards that and a positive filter is great. And then another thing you could do when you get to that new team is to kind of reciprocate that. You already know that that team wanted you. And one of the things that's most powerful, and there's studies been done, I'll link this on our site, is that the most powerful gratitude exercises or when you not only express gratitude towards others, so you can express gratitude towards your new GM, your new coach, your new teammates, but also when you receive gratitude. If you're able to express gratitude to another person and therefore then receive gratitude from another person, so if the coach or the GM, obviously they traded for you, so they want you, that's almost a sign of gratitude of itself. But of course, if they trade for you and they bring you in their office, they're gonna tell you how much they're grateful for, for you to be on their team now. And, and being able to have that reciprocation of gratitude, that is the most powerful way that gratitude can create momentum, create a positive outlook, and therefore create success and improvement and maturation. Um, so 
that's something I wanted to, to touch on. I'm glad you teed me up there with regards to the mindset and acceptance. Well, gratitude. Those are small, yeah. small little things that can kind of set you up perfectly for a fresh start. Absolutely, man. And, and gratitude is so important when you're functioning within a group or a team. So important because gratitude is, is kind of the, the selfless aspect of mental fitness. Whereas, you know, like mindfulness is somewhat self-centric. You know, I'm not going to say centered, but self-centric. Um, and, and gratitude is kind of the, the yin to the yang. Um, but it, it, it's, 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 it's an equally important aspect, but it's really, really more the self-less component. And, and what it does, it really binds you to the group, right? It creates that synergy that has to happen in order for you guys to really function, you know, collectively as a, as a, as a collective. Yeah. Huge for team sports, huge for team sports and gratitude. We talked about how do you keep positive momentum? Gratitude is another strategy to help with turning around negative momentum. So if you had a, you were in a slump, you had a, a crappy start to the year, having gratitude and cultivating that, like how we just talked about is going to help in creating momentum. You also want to, want to take stock. And, and we talk about like leaving the past in the past. That doesn't mean you can't go back and kind of look at the past mistakes, kind of figure out, okay, what got you to the point where you were slumping? What were you doing to get you to that position and contrast it to what were you doing that got you into the league in the first place? What were you doing that made the, this GM or this coach, this team want to trade for you and really pick apart what would have been your strengths, what have been your weaknesses. That's kind of a mindfulness exercise. And, and through that kind of like, if you're looking at that objectively, you're going to be, you're going to therefore have, you're going to therefore be able to just have more awareness as to, all right, what, how did I get in this position? Being able be, getting traded to a new team gives you an automatic restart, kind of similar to when over the holidays, kind of individuals that work normal jobs, we kind of have a restart with like a couple of weeks off, like in school, you have a couple of weeks, couple of week break, even in our profession, we have a week or so off. It's chilling with the family. You get a chance to kind of reevaluate things. When you get traded, if you're an athlete, things are busy and then you have the off seat and if you get traded mid-season, you may only have a couple of days to do this, but I think it's a useful exercise to, to kind of look back on things that, what did I do wrong that led me here? What did I do right that got me here in the first place? Uh, why do I play the game? We almost have to do it. Yeah. Right. I mean, you almost have to do it, right? Because chances are you're going to be entering a new team, new system, new philosophy. And you know, you're not going to be able to do the same things, you know, the same things probably won't work the same way with this new group. So you have to reevaluate um, and you have to reassess. You have to figure out how to best fit into this new team. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to open up the door to your past mistakes in order to, to improve upon those. And if you can open up the door yourself, then you can communicate that to your new team your new teammates, your new coach, your new GM. And when you communicate that, you communicate your kind of vulnerabilities, the things that you know you need to improve upon, communicate your strengths. That's going to bond you to your team better. And ultimately, we know that it's going to help with performance. 100%. 100%. And that's the communication. Piece. Indeed. And, and, you know, think about it. Like the great ones, when they go to, the, to new teams, um, you know, I'm thinking about like the Kevin Durant of the world when he went over to Brooklyn 
you know, I'm thinking about LeBron when, you know, he was you know traded to, or not traded when he went over to the Lakers, you know, I'm thinking about people like that and their attitude was very simply, I'm going to do whatever it takes, like whatever this team needs me to do to win. Right. Like they have certain goals and aspirations. I'm now a part of this. Therefore, those are my goals and aspirations. And whatever the team needs me to do, I am going to do in order to help achieve those goals. That's what that's gratitude is about. Yep, absolutely. So kind of the third piece of all this is, is the environment that we're in. And obviously, for us who, who don't play for a team, we can kind of cultivate our own environment. We can change, kind of have a little bit more freedom to change jobs if we want to. So we have a little bit more control over that. And all of us, we, we, we're social beings and creatures. We need other people to, to thrive, to be at our best. So for a high-level athlete, you don't necessarily have the choice in what team you're playing for, unless you're at the level of like LeBron James. So this is also something for, for coaches, for GMs, for teammates who new, new players get traded into. We want to try to cultivate an environment that's going to be the most helpful for an individual to, to either continue the momentum they had with a previous team or to have that fresh start and play at their best. So, so how do we do that? How do we, how as an organization can teams create a culture of understanding of empathy, of connection, of unity, because that type of culture, that type of holding environment is going to allow that athlete to excel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's not easy. These, if it was easy, everybody would do it, <laughs> you know, and, and we wouldn't have this, this issue in the league where um, folks tend to have difficulties with making adjustments. I mean, this is a thing. And we've seen it all the time um, in every sport, right? Like not everyone thrives uh, when they go to a new team, a new environment. Um, many people end up having either their careers being shortened by those types of, um, I guess you would say transitions. You know, we've had other guys that, you know, other players where, um, you know, they, they're, they're st statistically, they really decline um, in, in a major way. They lose fans. Um, they lose prominence. They lose opportunities to have greater success. And it's unfortunate, it sort of like derails their career. And uh, I think it's something that, to your point, Tori, if there were more efforts made at the level of, let's say, the organizational leadership um, and the coaching staff and, you know, the sort of like the team dynamics, if there were adjustments made, um, I think we would have much better environments for players to come into to get the most out of their performance. And that's what it's all about, right? Is making the most out of uh, individual performance for team success. Yeah. So, so ways in which like organizations can help is, and the athlete can help is like we talked about before being open, being honest with, with not only strengths and weaknesses with what you need to improve upon, but also like communication style. It's really important to try to figure out how this and this this new team this new teammate communicates how do they best receive feedback how do they best communicate to their team how do they best learn are there individuals who like to get yelled at and kind of like to are 
individuals who like to be led by someone who is blunt and in their face, telling them exactly what they want to do and is a little bit more aggressive and alpha about it. Or the individuals who that kind of style would make them turn away and make them kind of, or trigger them and make them not necessarily want to hear that feedback. Are they individuals that want more of a collaborative approach, want to feel like they're the ones making the decision, that they want to feel empowered? It's very important that you understand that the individual's communication style and how they best learn. So it's as simple as, as having that conversation, like this is how, like as a coach, this is how I normally communicate, but I'm open to hearing how you, you want me to communicate with you. How do you best receive information? How do you best learn? Because ultimately you want, you want this to be a collaboration, especially in professional sports. And this is what we heard about rumors about Urban Meyer couldn't necessarily fit in the NFL because he wanted to be more of a dictator, like you can get away with in college, but you can't necessarily get away with that in the NFL because it needs to be more collaborative. The players have to, you have to respect the player's autonomy and there needs to be that mutual decision-making process. So it's very important that you get on the same page with the athlete and you've got to allow them at the end of the day to be autonomous, especially a professional athlete. Because the more they're self-motivated, the more they're self-determined, the more they're going to succeed and excel that's coming from that. So we've talked about this before. The DISC assessment is a great place to start. If you haven't kind of learned that, it, it, it breaks down kind of like the four kind of basic communication styles or personality styles. Yeah, in teams, you know, how, how personalities function in teams, right? So you're either going to kind of have more of a dominant approach. Um, you're going to have more of an influencer approach um, or SC steady approach or the steady. I'm the glue guy. Or exactly. Or conscientious, right? Those are the, the big four. Um, and the test is actually really, really cool because it, it really shows you kind of like, all of the domains that uh, your personality profile fits into in terms of how you work in groups or in teams. Um, and so it's going to be, you know, basically like a pie chart, you know, so uh, how much of a percentage of one of the four you are, you know, out of a hundred percent for me, um, I was very strongly oriented towards DNI. So dominance in, in um, an influencer, and I think like 35 or so percent dominance, 35 or so plus percent influencer. So that was like the biggest chunk by far, those two. And then, you know, the, the, an equal but much smaller share going towards steadiness and conscientiousness. And why this was pretty cool is it actually showed one of the reasons why Tori and I have such great chemistry because he had very, very strong orientation towards S and C, steadiness and conscientiousness. Yin and yang. Yeah, exactly. So I think my, my favorite example of kind of how a coach in an organization can best adapt to an individual athlete's learning style amongst the team, because with the team, you want to keep it as cohesive as possible. You can't necessarily send mixed messages to every athlete, but if you, if you're able to cultivate a, a certain level of understanding within the team, players will understand if a coach treats one player differently than another, because they'll become, they'll learn to understand that that one player needs to be taught a different way than the other guys. So for example, the Chicago bulls and Phil Jackson, 
he gave, as we know, as everyone knows who, who's watched The Last Dance or read anything about the Chicago Bulls or watched the Bulls in their, specifically their second three-peat, knows that the, he gave much more leeway to Dennis Rodman than anyone else on the team or than any other coach had given to Dennis Rodman in the past. He actually allowed him to go on a bender in Vegas during their playoff run. He disappeared for a couple of days, but he knew that he needed to give Dennis Rodman that autonomy to make that decision for himself and get whatever he needed to get out of his system in order to get the best out of Dennis Rodman on the court. And that's exactly what happened. He comes back to, to win the title. So that like Phil Jackson embodies a lot of what we talk about, the mindfulness, the gratitude, being able to create such a cohesive team and he's got the triangle offense obviously but this is a guy who who's coached the biggest personalities in sports history in nba history shaq kobe michael jordan scotty pippen now in the news a lot dennis robin ron artest at one point so he read read up about him but it, it's just something where if everyone in the organization if you can kind of open up that door to to kind of honesty and, and understanding and, and have that open door of communication, you're just going to set everyone up for success. Indeed. Uh, and uh, understanding is the key to unity, right? And unity is, you know, what team chemistry is all about, right? Creating those, those, those bonds, those tight bonds, those covalent bonds, right? The ones that are unbreakable. Um, that's what you want. And, um, you know, all the things that we're talking about are part of facilitating that culture. Um, what, what Phil Jackson was able to do, and I think what the truly legendary coaches are able to do is not just create a team, but create a culture, right? A culture. So a, 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 a group of people that are connected, right? And not just connected based on like a common interest or common goal, but connected based on common values, principles, right? And, and, and that they, they, they can communicate on a high level, right? They understand each other's wants and needs um, and they respect and appreciate, you know, uh, the differences in, you know, uh, what makes each individual special and unique and that's when you can kind of create that that's when you have i think you know something something real you know something that uh eventually becomes a champion absolutely so let's talk a little bit about some high profile athletes that we think exemplify um or have taken advantage of this fresh start and have had um quite frankly, kind of resurgences like Armin talked about have been revitalized since being traded to their new environments. So I think Armin had actually brought this individual up and kind of to, to center it around because he's in the news right now and he's he's hitting game-winning shots at the buzzer, but DeMar DeRozan. So yeah, this is, this is a guy who right now he's an MVP candidate for the first place Bulls. So this is a team that was 11th in the Eastern Conference last year. Now they're up in first. I know that they added not only DeMar DeRozan, but Lonzo Ball. And for a lot of people, the offseason, they thought that this was one of the worst signings. They thought he got overpaid. 
$82 million contract for a guy that's kind of been in obscurity the last, last three or so years, ever since he got uh, traded for Kawhi Leonard, um, unfortunately. And then the Raptors win the championship with Kawhi. And he's, he's in San Antonio. They, he was there for three years. Um, pretty uneventful. Made the playoffs um, one time. Uh, didn't win any playoff series. But as, as we can see now, he's more relevant essentially than he ever has been. And he's having a, essentially a breakout year here at age 32 on his third team in his first season with the Chicago Bulls. Something crazy. Just to give a little bit more, like right now he's averaging 26.9 points per game, which is second in his career, 6.5 points more than his career average, five rebounds a game, 4.5 assists a game. He's shooting his shooting percentage is almost 50%. He's shooting almost a career high, a three point percentage at 36.2 and shooting close to 86% from the free throw line, all above his career averages. And once again, I said, this, this is the first place bulls team, first player in history to hit back-to-back buzzer beaters. And this is dude that's shown to be clutch. He is the, he's scoring eight points per game in the fourth quarter, which is second in the league to Joel Embiid. This is someone that's just doing all these things now for the Chicago Bulls, which no one predicted. People were talking ad nauseum about how this was one of the worst signings. How's this, how's he going to fit with Levine and, and Lonzo Ball and uh, Vucevic? A lot of talent, but how do these guys fit? This is a team that was 11th last year. Fresh start and new beginnings. You know, that this is what can happen. Um, it's kind of the moral of the story, but, you know, it, it, it's what can happen when you go into it with the right, mindset you know you you enter into this new space this new opportunity with uh you know mindfulness and and gratitude and ultimately mm-hmm. a resilient mindset you know with purpose oh we know we know he's resilient we know his story he's been open and on about honest about his struggle with depression growing up not too far from from where armin and i work at compton and, and struggling through, through poverty and, and struggling through depression and, and suicidal thoughts and going to USC, getting to the NBA and having great success early on. Um, this is someone who embodies resilience and, and that's showing how he's kind of having this fresh start here at 32 years old in the NBA. And just think about the dynamics, like all the different things that had to happen in order for DeMar to get to this point. Right. We talked about mindfulness and we talked about gratitude. So with mindfulness, you know, we talk about being self-aware um, and being, you know, able to appreciate right the environment. Well, man, I mean, think about if you're DeMar DeRozan, um, you know, you're, you've, you've really kind of had, I mean, in many ways, like your career with San Antonio was kind of languishing. I mean, you were an all-star in Toronto right? And your team was consistently like a number one, number two, right? Seed. So you were always kind of in the mix. And then you go to San Antonio, you're not, you know, in the playoffs, your position is always kind of a little loose, right? They were, seemed like they were trying to bring along Murray, who plays the same position, of course, as uh, DeMar DeRozan. And so he was getting less playing time. And um, it seemed like, you know, his, his skill set just really wasn't able to shine in the San Antonio system, right? So he was languishing. I will say, and something that I picked up, and, and I think 
we've talked about Popovich as well up there with Phil Jackson, how he he's kind of a unifier and he's coached for the, the Olympic team. He's a great coach. I will say those, those times in San Antonio, even though the team wasn't very good and even though his stats weren't the best, he actually was, his assists were career high in San Antonio because he became the primary ball hunter. Oh, he became the de facto point guard. And I do think going through those, those struggles and those challenges being on a t- the f- first time essentially in his career that he was on like a non-playoff team. And one of the first times in what, 20, maybe 25 plus years, the Spurs were in a playoff team and he was the guy um, that had to be difficult for him, but it sounds like he really learned and grew through those struggles. Not only exactly, um, not only like the becoming a better playmaker and ball handler, because in, in Toronto, he, he, he would play it off the ball because he had Kyle Lowry, but in San Antonio, they didn't really have, like, like you said, they were bringing on DeJounte Murray, but he wasn't quite there yet. So DeMar was the kind of the de facto point guard point forward. And that's, he added a new skill on the court. But then I think more importantly, he, 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 he kind of added to that resilience piece because that's your, in your, in your thirties now, and your first time you're on a losing team is the first time this franchise has, has had losing seasons and are not made the playoffs in 20 plus years, those struggles right there had to be something where now we know since getting tricked, getting signing with the bulls and having a great season, he, he, he turned those struggles into positives. He learned from those. He did. And we can see that this year. Yes, he did. And, and, and that's where the mindfulness came in, right? So he became more self-aware, expanded his game, right? He didn't just stick with where he was and what he knew. He expanded his game, became a better player. The appreciation for that, right, is what he, We never heard him wanting to ask out. No. We never heard him complaining. Is what he took into to Chicago. Because you have to realize the differences. Like you have to learn these new things, but then realize, hey, I can do these things, right? I can actually perform on this level. He's never performed on this level. This is a this is a brand new level of performance for this player who's been in the league a very long time. This doesn't really happen. Like we rarely see total shifts of a player's identity at this stage of their career. But it's possible with mindfulness, right? A, a strong mindfulness practice, which clearly DeMar integrated, but it, it, he didn't stop there. There's a, a ton of gratitude that went into to this. And, I, and I'll, I'll tell you how I know that. Because with the Bulls, right? He is now having to join uh, another all-star, right? A gentleman by the name of Zach Levine who is certainly his counterpart, uh, at least as far as scoring the ball, right? Scoring the basketball. And so both players had to humble themselves. Oh, that, that, that's his, his team. Both players had to humble themselves in order to make this work because it was Zach's team, right? And now he's bringing in another 25-point scorer, right? You have to give something up. You have to make sacrifices in order to make that work, right? You have to let your ego, you, you have to put your ego aside to make that work. And that requires gratitude. Yeah. I'll take it another step forward. He's not only joining Zach Levine's team. This is the guy who pretty much was outplayed Damian Lillard on our Olympic USA Olympic uh, gold medal team in the, in the Tokyo Olympics. But they also brought in Vucevic. who was another all-star from the Orlando magic. They brought in Lonzo ball, That's who right. is probably the biggest name on this team and an emerging young star. So he's coming into this team 
knowing, putting his ego to the side, knowing he's not going to be, he's not coming in. This isn't going to be his team. He's not going to be necessarily be the alpha. He's not going to be the primary ball handler. That's Lonzo, Lonzo ball. He's not going to be the go-to shooting guard. That's Zach Levine. Um, he's one of three all-stars on this team. And with all that, and he, and he was the guy in San Antonio, right? That he was surrounded by a bunch of young developing guys, but he was the guy there for, for almost three seasons going to this new team. You're, you're right. He put his ego to the side. He was grateful for this opportunity. He chose to go to the bulls. He accepted it. And now he's flourishing in all aspects. And the team is flourishing because of that. Flourishing man. And this is the principle that I think a lot of folks find hard to accept, um, to like fully like rationalize when it comes to this whole mental fitness thing. It takes sacrifice, right? You, you have to give something up. You have, you're going to have to give something up in order to get to that next level, in order to mm-hmm. achieve greatness. It's not just about what you're getting, right? and what you're growing and, and developing in terms of a skill set or what have you, that's part of it. But then there's this other part of it that's about what are you giving up? What are you letting go of? What are you willing to sacrifice? And when you understand the yin and the yang, right, and how it works both ways, and you can put that together, that's when you can achieve greatness. Absolutely. So I think DeMar kind of exemplifies it, but there's several other players we can just kind of touch on briefly. A lot of them just so happen to be former Los Angeles Lakers that once they left Los Angeles, they became extremely impactful players for good teams. Jordan Clarkson, he was a starter on the Lakers, young kid. They weren't very good. He gets traded, ends up going to the Utah Jazz. He was the 2021 NBA sixth man of the year for the Utah Jazz last year. So this is a guy who started when he was young in the league for this for this Lakers team, but and people could see his promise. He goes to a, a winning team, takes a role as the sixth man, and becomes the best sixth man of the league in one season. And this he's he's so fun to watch off the bench. We got Julius Randle. So Julius Randle was the 2021 Most Improved Player and an NBA All Star. This is someone who and who. Uh, brought the New York Knicks to their first ever playoff appearance or their first playoff appearance since 2013, 20, 2014. And this is someone who was on the Lakers. Um, and then we got Brandon Ingram, the 2020 most improved NBA player and NBA all-star the year after he gets traded from the Lakers to the New Orleans Pelicans. And then last but not least, we have Kyle Kuzma, who's now in his fifth season, first with the Wizards, averaging... So in his last season with the Lakers, he averaged nearly 13 points. Now he's averaging 14 and a half. He averaged six rebounds. Now he's averaging 8.3. He averaged 1.9 assists. Now he's averaging 2.9. So his stats are up, but also the Wizards are a winning team right now, seventh in the Eastern Conference, surprising a lot of people. So he's having a little bit of a resurgence in his career. So these are guys that were playing for the Lakers, the most storied franchise maybe in sports history. And they showed promise with the Lakers, but it didn't translate into obviously Kuzma gets a championship ring, um, but he never really. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't really blossom. And Armin, we, you, we spoke a lot about this off camera. We, yeah. Every year right. we were waiting for him right. to reach that next level, become the third guy of a big three. It never really happened. 
but now he's he's kind of showing signs of that in a difference in a, in a change of scenery and we talked about this before environment is so important and obviously in los angeles there's so many external distractions there's so many people tugging you one way or the other whether it's celebrity nightlife um movies what have you being able to go to brandon ingram's talked about he's from a small town so being able to go to new orleans a little bit more chill nice southern town was more close to home for him so he could it was at least not for everybody exactly and but these guys took advantage of their opportunities and sometimes those opportunities weren't on the surface don't look as shiny as an opportunity to play for the lakers they maybe have to come off the bench maybe you're in a city that you don't prefer but at the end of the day they're all thriving and i imagine because they accepted these opportunities with gratitude and with excitement and it is it's shown off in their play and, and also their their teams are becoming successful as well yeah. although we're still waiting waiting to see the pelicans make a move but we need we need to see zion back yeah and, and as you alluded to earlier man i mean it, it, it can work both ways you know certainly i mean you can go to a new team and and actually have a dramatic decline you know and and uh lavy on comes to mind oh yeah absolutely and and but i i i just I am confident in, in my conviction, and I think you would say the same thing, that the mindset you know, is what makes the difference. You know, mm -hmm. If you go into a new environment with the same old you know, attitude and you know, the same approach, the same identity, then you're likely to get the same results um, or worse. If, however, you go into it with more of a fresh start mindset, a new beginnings mentality, openness, willing to learn, you know, and you, and you, you know, think of it more like a new opportunity, right. Then I think things could be very, very different. And I, and actually what we've seen and what, you know, the, the statistics and the data suggests is that you can do even better. You can have kind of that next level of your career. Mm -hmm that fresh start let's check check in on a couple other guys jimmy butler obviously bounced around a lot uh times with the timberwolves was rough 76ers a brief stint there kind of recreated himself with the heat uh in the bubble and had a legendary performance there in the when he went mono and mono with lebron and almost pulled something out uh drew Brees starting here in sandy with san diego chargers and then uh, kind of getting traded away and going to the saints hall of famer lock tube which means it's all written uh ryan Tannehill, six seasons with the miami dolphins mediocre not really doing much down there goes to the titans and now he's they're the one seed right now in the afc looking at the third straight playoff appearance um, over the last three years he uh, was a pro bowler named ap comeback player of the year in 2019 with this in his first season with the titans his first season with the titans only comeback player of the year Guess who he took out? Took out Tom Brady in his last season with the Patriots, then took out MVP Lamar Jackson in that same playoffs. Obviously, he had Derrick Henry to help um, prior to losing to Mahomes, the future champion in that first year. And now they're looking like if they can get Derrick Henry back, another team that could possibly contend. And this is a guy who six years in Miami didn't really do much, and people were kind of yeah. writing him off. I mean, he was he was on his way out of the league, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Other guys, here we are. Matt Matthew Stafford for the Rams. We'll see. This is going to be his second playoff experience. We know how long he's been in the league. I, obviously, I think people are 
talking about the Rams as a Super Bowl contender. So we'll see if, uh, what, what he can do in the playoffs. Um, I think you mentioned on the flip side of things, I think it's important that we touch on things that kind of went opposite directions. I think uh, Le'Veon Bell is one example, kind of wanting, I mean, you could argue if it's selfish or not, but wanting to get paid, wanting to get money. And he actually ended up sitting out a year. And then when he signed a new contract with the Jets, it was actually a contract that was worth less money than what he would have signed up with the Steelers if he just resigned. And then he had one season with the Jets before getting cut and has bounced around. Now he's currently on the, um, he's on the Bucks, Tampa Bay, decent landing spot for him. Just so happens that another guy that I bring up, Antonio Brown, who was another Steeler who um, that crazy? worked his way out of there, got to the Raiders, didn't want to be in that situation. Patriots took a year off. Tom Brady, the GOAT, saved him, brought him to Tampa Bay, did win a Super Bowl. Um, but certainly not producing the same amount of stats that he did for Steelers, certainly not making as much money. And even though setting up to possibly win a second Super Bowl, he seems not necessarily to be interested in that. So there's mindsets with those individuals. And ideally, Le'Veon's kind of learned his lesson. Now he's a team guy, team first guy. And he'll, he'll ideally, maybe he can win a Super Bowl this year with Tom Brady's with the right team. But those are individuals who, maybe more so had the, the kind of selfish ego driven individual mindset and weren't necessarily open to accepting these new roles and, and willing to learn and, and be open to a new challenge. Now Le'Veon went to the Jets. There's only so much you can do with the franchise like that. So, but it's a mindset. It, it is a mindset because with gratitude, um, you know, I think you can always find the positive spin. You know, we've talked about it during this podcast where, in the case of DeMar DeRozan, his tour with San Antonio, it wasn't necessarily about winning as a team, right? He had to accept that they were rebuilding. But in doing so, individually, he grew. And he became a better player individually so that when he went to his next team, he was more prepared to, to be a champion, more prepared than he had ever been before. So it's all about, again, a mindset. If you go into this opportunity, you know, really taking from it what it's meant to share with you, what it's meant to teach you, um, what it's meant to do for you, then the experience could be so much better. Yeah. And I think somewhere we should always should highlight that had a lot of momentum and continued that momentum and continued that excellence would be Tom Brady. Mm. And that's why there's a reason why we bring up like Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, all these greats is because they uh, embody these mental fitness characteristics and and they can change sceneries and continue their dominance and tom brady first season with the bucks we know what happens because he stuck to his principles he knew what he was doing and he, he and i imagine obviously being a, a multiple time mvp and super bowl champ the bucks were going to cater to whatever he he wanted because you're going to listen to the champ but he got into an environment that was conducive for him to continue what he does to win championships. And so more, a lot of credit to him and a lot of credit to, to the Buccaneers organization for, for making that run. Cause it's difficult to win a Super Bowl, And that dude has won how many? One number seven when I'm going, going on number eight. Yeah. <laughs> He's won seven going on oh eight. That's right. That's ridiculous. Although I do think, this Antonio Brown situation, because they already lost Godwin for the season with an ACL. Fournette's banged up. 
obviously Gronk's always banged up, but he'll come through in the playoffs. Evans is banged up, but they they need like with with Godwin banged up, they need Antonio Brown, and it sounds like for all intents and purposes, he's he's not going to be with the team after the display over the weekend, and and he just they were injury pretty injury free last year, and you do need some luck to win a Super Bowl, so it's going to be, I think, a lot more difficult this year for them to pull it off. Um, they'll have to go into Green Bay, and they're just going to be fans in Green Bay this year. 70, 80,000 versus last year, there was only about 10,000. Um, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult this year. So if they can win it again this year, I mean, we already know Tom's the GOAT, but that, that would be kind of insane. Indeed. If indeed. Um, man, you know, um, this has been a great conversation. It really has been. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, so, it's so awesome, actually, to to understand the ways in which mental fitness can help us almost like a tool in the toolkit to, uh, you know, to triumph through adversity um, and to make the best of, you know, bad situations and to just kind of bring out the best in, in us, you know, in our performance, um, both on and off the field. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this. We'll close out. What do you have a, um, do you have a New Year's resolution or a specific? I mean, like we, we talk about, we have Absolutely. We set goals. We, there's things we want to accomplish on a day-to-day basis. This is nothing new. But anything you wanted to share with our audience about what you want to accomplish or what you want to do more of in 2022? Yeah, yeah. That's a, I'm, I'm really happy you asked that because I have been thinking about this. And I've actually been thinking about it for a while. Like, you know, so these thoughts actually started even before uh, January 1st. What I was going to do different this year and i think what i want to do differently is i want to speak up more speak up more uh than i have and when i say speak up i'm referring to you know there are times when people need to you know to to hear from a person that that cares from a person that um, you know, has a certain level of expertise. And we were entrusted with a lot of really important knowledge, really important information that was intended to help other people, right? To serve our communities. And I just feel like in many ways, we haven't taken uh, on enough opportunities to do that. Um, you know, I think sometimes we get kind of so caught up in our own individual issues in our personal lives that you know we don't necessarily like you know take the time and space to understand the impact that we can have uh, you know as healthcare professionals as community servants and it's really about having a voice but a voice that uplifts so speak up as in you know communicate and use my voice to uplift others you know and there's a lot happening in the world right now as we know um a lot of suffering a lot of confusion a lot of confused hearts and therefore a lot of work to be done you know a lot of healing that's needed um and we have been entrusted right through our training through our our licenses to to be that voice to be a voice for for change for positive change 
um, and a voice of reason, a voice of calm and comfort. And, uh, you know, I want to continue to use this platform and really even elevate this platform to do that good work. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you there. I want to continue to, to, to elevate and send out that positive message, decrease that stigma, um, and, and then continue to try to connect people, unify people. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. We have this, this, um, through our training and through our life experiences, I think we have a lot to, to, to share with people. And, um, like you said, to uplift people for me personally, I also just want to be more present in the moment with what's surrounding me, get out of my head, thinking less about the past, less about the future and being more present in the moment, because that's really, truly the only thing we have. I believe everything else is, is an illusion, so to speak, other than this moment right here. So I want to be more present. And I think for me, that means feeling more, feeling, embracing more of the highs and the lows, crying more, laughing more, and sharing time with people and individuals that I love and cherish. And not only those individuals, but just sharing time with, with more people, my patients, my clients, my coworkers, and, and just embracing those, those moments because I feel like social connection, that those connections to individuals, if I were to like rank things and say, what's the most important thing in my life, I would say it's the connections I have with, with people. Um, those relationships, man, they're, they're sacred, man. They're special. They're special. So I want to foster that. Yeah. I want to foster those relationships, not only with other people, but with myself and with the moment, with nature. So yeah, I just want to be more present and be in, and through being more present, feel more connected and be more connected with those around me. And in turn, try to uplift, provide that positivity, that enthusiasm, that humor. I always like to bring humor to the situation, but that doesn't mean I don't want to feel those negative emotions. Cause I, I, that's what something I need to prove upon is allowing myself to feel sadness, allowing myself to feel shame and embarrassment and, and things of that nature. Because ultimately if you, are you referring to maybe acknowledgement and acceptance? Absolutely. Being more mindful. Mm. So, um, and having more gratitude, like it, it, it works in so many ways. Yeah. All right, man. So I, I, I appreciate you, Armin, and I appreciate the, these conversations that we have. So uh, uh, let's end the stigma. Let's continue the conversation. Do you feel me? Come out swinging over here. Do you feel?